Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman, and we have another great show for you today. We are here with Abby Beal, who is a homeopath located over at Clinic Alternative Medicines. And welcome, Abby. Well, thank you so much for having me, Caroline. Of course. I'm so glad that you're here. Glad to be here. Yeah. So let's start off with the basics. What is homeopathy? I feel <laughs> like I've basic. <laughs> been hearing, yeah, like I've been, I always hear mm. the name, I see the little remedies at health food stores, those little mm. pills in the small blue vials. And um, yeah, I feel like I've, I've, it's been in my consciousness for a really long time. But uh, tell, tell us what it is. What is homeopathy? So every time someone asks me that question, I have a different answer. Okay. <laughs> because it depends on what pops into my head. Mm-hmm. But homeopathy, I would say, is, the, is natural, it's safe, and it, it is medicine in that it works with the body's symptoms. Mm. It is a 200-plus-year-old medicine that has been handed down from the Germans originally, and it's been used in India right now by almost 80% of their population. Really? Yep. And also in Europe, you'll find it in many, many places. Um, We don't see it here as much uh, for reasons that maybe we'll talk about later. But for the most part, it is available, thankfully, in in the stores like at Cornucopia, River Valley Co-op. They do have uh, the remedies that are there. But it's something that when your body has a symptom, it will... If your body is expressing the symptom in a very specific way, there are specific remedies made from nature that will right the problem. Like, for example, if you got stung by a bee and you happen to get uh, the pain that comes along with that and it's red and hot and swollen and you're thinking, oh, I want to put ice on that. That is what we call an apis mellifica type of remedy picture. Apis mellifica. And what apis mellifica is, is made from a bee stinger. Hmm. of a bee and so homeopathy is really like cures like so when you take something like a bee stinger and you make it homeopathically which I'm sure we'll talk about um, then it will help this situation and I personally can attest that it does when I got stung by a bee Uh, it certainly helped tremendously within an hour the pain was gone the swelling was down it was sore but uh, you know the whole issue was pretty much done within an hour it was great so like cures like. Correct. So what, is that, what does that mean? <laughs> That's a great question. I'll do my best to, to explain it. So if you, let's say, have allergies, right? And the allergies include really runny, stinging eyes, the nose is running, you're, th- you're clearing your throat. That's a very common allergy picture. Well, sometimes we get this just naturally by cutting onions, and so there is a remedy called Allium Sepa, which is the Latin term for red onion, that is a homeopathic remedy for that specific symptom. Is it sticking your head in the freezer? 
Stick. Oh, you, yeah. If you feel you need to have your head, <laughs> yeah, so that you can see that you can open your eyes. Yeah, that could. That, yeah, I don't know if that's in the Materia Medica, but yeah, it could be. <laughs> so it's basically taking the the symptom picture and trying to match it with the material substance. So when you are affected by the onions, you get that reaction. But people who have allergies haven't just cut onions, but they have those symptoms. And mm. so we take the substance that creates that in the material form and give it homeopathically. And that's why like cures like. Did that help? I feel like I don't fully understand the concept, but mm-hmm. I like the idea of it. Okay. I just don't know. So so what? can you give us some more examples of mm-hmm. um, how else this would kind of look if we had... Um, if we had like a cut or something, like I have a burn, would mm-hmm. there be like a homeopathic remedy? Like I was putting something into the oven and I just mm-hmm. like, s- like touch something on the rack, my skin on the rack. Yeah. Um, how would a homeopathic remedy like help some kind of a burn? Right away. That looks pretty nasty, by the way. No. <laughs> I just have to Thanks. say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if you, it was an Im- like immediately it just happened. Yeah. We have a remedy called Cantharis. And it would be given just for that specific reason, because you just burned it, it's really hot, it's painful, and, that, and it helps to get the pain out of it. And so Cantharis, um, I'm trying to remember what it's made from, but it is made, it basically when given in its material substance, will give a burning sensation just like that. So let me give a better example. Sure. Um, Hahnemann, who is the founder of homeopathy, Samuel Hahnemann in 1796, he used to be a medical doctor. And what he realized was, when he, as a doctor, that he was not doing uh, justice to his patients. They were dying from mm. leeching and, you know, the things that made people throw up. And then the surgeries, you know, they didn't have the painkillers that they have now. And so he just said, I can't do this anymore. So instead, he decided he would uh, translate medical text for a living. He said, I could do that. And what he found curious at one point when he was reading it was the chincona bark, which we know as quinine, that it was said that it would help cure malaria because it was bitter and astringent. Hmm. And so he was like going, huh, how could that be? There's so many other things in, in my books that are bitter and astringent. So what he did is he tested it on himself. He ate some material form of chincona bark, which normally you wouldn't. It's a poisonous substance. Hmm. And he ate some of it, and he got the symptoms that you would find in malaria, the fever, the diarrhea, the palpitations, the sweating, all that stuff. And, and it was just, first of all, I think he was crazy he did it, but I'm really glad he did because yeah. he came to understand that, wow, I was healthy. I ate this thing. It got me really sick. And after it went through my system, I got better. Hmm. And he was crazy enough to say, let me try that again. <laughs> oh, my gosh, those fearless scientists. <laughs> and he did. But he realized, he said, maybe I don't need as much. And so each time that he did it, he would reduce the amount to the point where it really was almost non-existent. It really was non-existent in a material form. Mm. But the way that he diluted it kept the energy of the substance in the remedy. And so you weren't eating chincona bark, and we still have that remedy. We call it China now, mm-hmm. uh, or Sina China. And you would take the remedy in order to help with those similar symptoms of malaria. But you're not eating quinine. You're not eating chincona bark. So the remedies in homeopathy are energy medicine? They end up being energy medicine. They are all, they originate from mostly plants, minerals, and animals. Plants, minerals, and animals. So mm-hmm. it's the, the energy of, would it be, I mean, in 
within the lenses that I would look through, I would mm. think of that as like the spirit of that energy of that mm. the spirit of that medicine, but you feel like it's just diluted. Mm. It's very highly diluted. So what he did, which makes it very unique, is and, and I'm going to try to do a visual of people as, who are listening, yeah. imagine yep. that you have 30, 30 cups of liquid in front of you filled 99% full with mostly water and a little bit of alcohol for a preservative. So there's still 1% left that you can fill. So let's take something like coffee. You know, if you have too much coffee, you get what insomnia, you have diarrhea, heart palpitations, um, you know, jitters. And so there are people that come to us with those symptoms that have never had a cup of coffee in their life. Mm. But you take coffee and you make it into a remedy because when people drink coffee, they can get those symptoms. So to make it into a remedy, you take a drop of coffee, put it in that first cup that's filled 99% full to now 100%. You stir it, but the thing that makes it really homeopathic is it's vigorously shaken. Mm. So imagine like, like a Poland Spring water bottle that you shake up and down or bang it on a hard surface, mm-hmm. and you bang it like 10 times. And then that's what we call a 1C potency. Then you would take one drop of that water that's been highly diluted, put that into the next cup. You stir it, you vigorously shake it, pound it 10 times. That's a 2C, and we'll do it one more time. Take it one more time into the next cup. Do the same thing, vigorously shake it 10 times. That's a 3C. And when you go into Cornucopia or River Valley Co-op, you're going to find 6C, 12C, and 30C. Oh, I never knew what those codes were. Yes, and so it's been highly diluted even more. So actually, 30C is stronger than a 6C. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that's why why I'm on the show, so I can help you understand that. That's super cool. Because think of those cups, 30 cups, right? So the 6C has more of the substance in it than the 30C would by the time you're done highly diluting. You just keep taking from each cup, the previous cup, and you keep adding and adding and adding. So when something is diluted and diluted and diluted, does it end up kind of, and then you have the original symptom that you're dealing with, which mm-hmm. is in its kind of full form, whether it's the the heat or whatever is kind of going on, whatever symptom, mm-hmm. and then you take the homeopathic remedy, does it neutralize between the two of those? Is that what is that what's kind of happening? That's like cures like. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we've come full circle. Yay. Gotcha. Okay. I'm starting to get a bigger picture of what Mm -hmm. that is all about. Yeah. And so there's no material substance in it, but it's that energy of the water that causes for the healing. It's and Hahnemann called it the vital force. You might call it, you know, what do you what do you call it in Reiki? You call uh, it chi or key. Key. Yeah, yeah, key would be that sort of yeah. life force energy. Life force energy. So he called it the vital force. And so when you die, you don't have a vital force. So you have to do it f- with living things. And it can be used for um, dogs, cats, horses, you know, infants, plants are living things. Anything that's wow. a living thing can be affected by homeopathic remedy. Wow. Yeah. That's so neat. Yeah. There's all kinds of different specialists that know how to do it for, you know, animals or for plants and I do it for humans. <laughs> do you? Yeah. So yeah. you do it for humans. Do you have mm-hmm. kind of a specialty with it? Because I would imagine there, there, that homeopathy, homeopathy for humans is just mm-hmm. a huge umbrella. Yeah, it, it really is. And you can, we really do treat almost everything really, because when you come or someone comes to a homeopath, they come with 
a thing or two things that they want fixed, but they really have other things too. And that's, we, we do like two hour intakes with people because Whoa. we need to know a lot about them, about their complaints and then about their lives and their upbringing and their friends and their work and their school or whatever that they're doing and their physical symptoms and you know, what position do they sleep in and do they like cold drinks, ice cold drinks or you like warm drinks? I mean, each one of those pieces of their life's puzzle is really important to figuring out a remedy. So it's not just one thing typically. Mm. What, now that's, so with that said, people who are listening to this, I highly recommend that you can go into any of the stores to get remedies for acute, I call them acute symptoms like coughs, colds, flus, bee stings, burns. You can do that yourself with a 30C, definitely. But when things that come to me that I might specialize in, people come with you know, asthma, some deep allergies, they have um, a lot of depression, a lot of grief, a lot of anxiety. Those require higher potencies that homeopaths are skilled to use with. We mm. use 200, 1M, 10M, 50M potencies, which are much, much, much stronger. Do you create remedies? No. <laughs> That's too much work. No. Yeah. No, well, so they're regulated by the FDA and okay. there's um, stringent uh, requirements for people that do homeopathic uh, remedies in their, in their labs and they get you know, audited just like restaurants do for their cleanliness and all that stuff. And That's so good to know. It's very good to know. And so there's the homeopathic pharmacopoeia. Um, of the United States or HPUS um, regulates that. And so anything that's sold in a store or anything that you can buy online, pretty much everything, and nobody does it in their backyard. Uh, no. I mean, no, how many It's not like play? making moonshine. It's, yeah, no. Yeah, it's no. regulated. It's federally regulated. It's regular, exactly. Yes. That's and great. and I love to buy remedies and support the homeopathic pharmacies. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. really neat. Yeah. So if you're just tuning in, we're chatting with Abby Beal, who's a homeopath over at Clinic Alternative Medicines right in Northampton. And tell tell me a little bit about, um, because I, I first met you, well, I say met you, but I saw you on stage um, at the Homeopathic Film Festival that was last fall, right? It was in January. It was in January. January of this year, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that was the first time that I ever really... So there's two documentaries that you played and that you screened there. And um, it was very eye-opening because, first of all, I didn't really know that much about homeopathy. Mm -hmm. But then I also realized that it is super controversial. Mm -hmm. And I was like... Why is this? Why is this so controversial? Half the time, people go and get chemotherapy, and that stuff makes them super sick. And half the time, it doesn't work, anyways. And <laughs> you know, and I was just like, why? Why is this the stuff that's getting such mm. controversy? Not mm. Western medicine, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. But it was, yeah, I was very surprised at like how angry it seemed to make people. Under, I was like, well, if it if it's helping people and they're saying that it's helping them, why does it matter to you? Yeah. I, that yeah. was sort of my impression. It, it, it is actually because the documentaries were, were created and I'm so glad that they were made. One was called Just One Drop by the filmmaker Laurel Chaitin and the other one is Magic Pills by Ananda Moore. And those two films, there aren't that many at all about you know the history of homeopathy and the vilification of homeopathy, the efficacy of homeopathy. And so it's really good to start getting them out there. Mm. They are labors of love. I mean, oh, yeah. they, they took a really long time and they, they and just a lot had of a money. passion. And a lot of money and they got a lot of donations, but still it's not easy to to do and so what what is interesting with the history of homeopathy it started actually you know it started with Hahnemann but in 1844 there was um, an organization that was created to 
house uh, homeopaths. It was basically a medical association for homeopaths called AIH. And two years later, not ironically, the AMA was created. And the AMA formed, in effect, I believe, and anyone who, anyone who knows a lot about the history of homeopathy would believe, too, that they decided that they wanted to squash homeopathy because they mm. found it to be effective. Mm. And they said, oh, they can't do this. That's not our stuff. And they would say there's no scientific evidence, and there are tons and tons of studies. The um, and the AMA is the American Medical, Medical Association. Association. Correct. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't. No, <laughs> it's okay. That. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like to make sure everybody listening knows. Yeah, what that is. Yeah. Exactly. So the AIH is the American Institute for Homeopathy. It's where medical doctors were doing homeopathy back then, and they still do. There's some. There are definitely some still practicing for sure. Mm-hmm. So AIH is still alive and well. Um, but it was it was said that in the AMA rules that nobody could fraternize with a homeopath. No fraternizing. No fraternizing. And one homeopath, one uh, doctor. Wait, is that even legal to say to, that you can't fraternize? In with? their group, they can do whatever. they in, To be in our group, to be in our association, you yeah. have to follow our rules. Right. And if you don't, then you're out. And this one medical doctor uh, was kicked out because he fraternized with another homeopath who was his wife. That's ridiculous. I know. It was his wife. And they said, you know, you can't be in this group because of that. It was like, oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So there, there's definitely, if you think about it enough, it's really more of a paranoia, I think, or a, a feelings of there really is something to homeopathy, and they're afraid of it. Hmm. And I can't believe I'm saying this on the radio, but I, after you know being in this field for enough of a time, and be, I'm also on the board of the National Center for Homeopathy, I see a lot of things, and I go, you know what? It's really not fair because this is really accessible, inexpensive, very effective medicine that doesn't mess with people's psyche in the way that chemical medicine can. And it's like at worst, it doesn't work. At worst, yeah. Exactly. It's not going to throw you off into, it's not going to kill your immune system. It's not going to destroy your digestive flora. No. It's not going to, yeah, it's just going to. It doesn't give you suicidal ideations. It doesn't doesn't make you depressed. It doesn't make you, you know, anxious. It really is meant to write what the body can't do on its own. Mm. I mean, the body's meant to heal. And when we have a chronic disease, it just basically, the, the body got stuck somewhere. Yeah. And what homeopathy can do is it can unstick it mm. or help unstick it. It's not the only thing. I mean, Reiki is fantastic and acupuncture and There's you know, a lot massage of ways. and chiropractic. Yeah. There's so many, so many ways. So I don't want to say that homeopathy is the only way, but it, it certainly should be another viable option for people. It's a really, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I think, the biggest part about, you know, having conversations like this where we just get to sit down and be like well what other what other options do we have Mm -hmm. you know like what else is out there and that's part of I think the like really empowering ourselves and I think that's the the foundation of alternative health is knowing Mm -hmm. that a lot of the things that we choose to bring into our lives whether it's herbs homeopathy reiki it's like we have control over our own health we don't Mm -hmm. have to always rely on very expensive system that can be really frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot of different avenues that we can um, explore. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went to a movie uh, this week. It was a private screening for uh, a really interesting movie called Medicating Normal. And it's just about how people just, you know, whatever the doctor says is what they do. And they end up on these really heavy-duty antidepressants, anti-anxiety meds for a very long time. And they get affected by them. Mm-hmm. And then when they try to get off them, I, I mean, it's very distressing to them, and I can't use the word <laughs> on the air of, of how bad it is, but it's very bad. And 
if people only knew before they took anything, they said, okay, this is what someone's recommending to me. Let me do my research. Let me see what's going to be in my best interest. How long should I be on this? Let me see more of more of this instead of just believing everything that everybody says. And I think, he, I think Dr. Oz has been very good about that. When he came on TV, people started to question a little bit more about, geez, what else could I do? And maybe that isn't the thing that I should be doing. And so I, I hope people go more on their own body's wisdom and their own research. You know, but I grew up with, you know, whatever the doctor says is what we do. Mm-hmm. And I think nowadays there should be more choices in addition to yeah. the doctors. And... Um we, I do want to continue chatting more about research because I know that that is a really mm-hmm. big part of um, kind of the work that we do, kind of bringing it, bridging that gap with the scientific community and um, people's kind of knowledge and things like that. So can you give us like a quick breakdown about what the difference is between the two? My, my accidental misstep there was a kind of important Very, thing. It was, I was glad because I, we, I do want to make sure that people know the difference. Yeah. yeah. So when I meet people, <clears throat> excuse me, and I tell them I'm a homeopath, they say, oh, yeah, I take vitamin C and echinacea. And I'm like, well, that's really good. I said, that's naturopathic. Mm. Anything that is a supplement, an herb, anything that is a material dose of something. Ah. Okay. That is naturopathic. It's Where a you're taking something. the plant matter. Correct. Gotcha. Exactly. We don't have anything that's like that. Okay. All of our remedies taste exactly the same. Like like little sugar pills, Look right? Sugar, because the liquid that is highly diluted gets dropped onto sugar pills mm. that are then dissolved in your mouth. And they can, for those who are allergic to sugar, there are other kinds. They have lactose-free kind. There's ways to do it in water. I mean, there's so many different ways to dose. So if people are saying, oh, I can't do that because of sugar, I'm like, you can do it. <laughs> there are ways to do it. We'll make sure you can get that, right, that energy right. medicine into your system. Right. So a naturopath, um, there. I, I wished I had done that. I wish I had gone to naturopathic school. It would have given me a bigger toolbox to work oh. with. Oh, interesting. But I, this is a second profession for me later in life. And so for what me... What did you do previously? Um, I still do that. Um, I'm a speed reading expert and I have an <gasps> online speed reading course. That's perfect so, for all the research you probably do I in would this not, I would have never become a homeopath if I hadn't had good reading skills. And the irony is I used to hate to read. So in high school and th- all through college, I hated it. And it wasn't until after college that I learned. So I've been in the field over 30 years and I've written some books and I have an online course and... So I manage that now more um, passively, and that was intentional because I wanted to do more homeopathy. So so cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thank so you, you do a so. ton of reading as I a homeopath. I do a ton. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. So we do. We talk about homeopathy as minimum, like the, the smallest dose you possibly can, but it's the most reading you'll ever do in your life. What is all you the know? reading? It's just, it's just all the books and all the story, you know, all of the casework and all of the uh, theory and the materia medica, which is all the different symptoms that, that are there. Um, I just want to answer that, finish answering the question sure, about the yeah, naturopath. No, I, we I mean, got a we little go side Yeah, I know, that's good. And, and I'm happy to continue going back. But what, what a naturopath does is they um, work with herbs and supplements. They can do tests. Um, depending on where they live, the naturopaths can prescribe medications. More and more, they're getting that ability to do that, which is kind of good as a, as a backup. Um, but they also can do some homeopathy. They do get maybe, I'm trying to remember when I looked at it, it was maybe like 80 hours, 100 hours of homeopathy in naturopathic school. So they could treat an acute, they could say, oh, you have headaches, I could try this with you. But it's different than someone like myself who's a nationally certified classical homeopath. I have like 500 classroom hours, wow. 250 clinical hours, 10 
independent case, no, 10 supervised cases, five independent cases, and then there's a five-part exam and an interview. I mean, it's a pretty So this is like very process. nationally regulated. This The CCH is, the Certified Classical Homeopath Certification, definitely is. It's like the CPA. Like, you could just be a homeopath, um, which is difficult, honestly, and I went for the CCH because I'm not a naturopath or a medical doctor, and I said, you know what, I really want to know homeopathy well. And so I took the time to do that. It took me about 11 years part-time wow. to do it. That's and like so, a full, med- I mean, that's the amount of time that doctors, medical doctors go to school. Yeah, they, but it was part-time though. It was very part-time. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was overtime, <laughs> but that's good because I had a lot of time to read and to experience and to have cases and things like that. So yeah, yeah. So, so CCH, um, we, so we do homeopathy, but certainly a naturopath can, but not many of them major in homeopathy. They do it okay. as a side. Mm. Um, but there are a few. There are quite a few, actually, in the country that do, but not as many as, as I would like to see. Yeah. So that's the difference. So natu- naturopathy are like herb supplements, vitamins, um, that kind of thing. And homeopathy is just homeopathic remedies. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Right. So yeah. the homeopathy is the um, the diluted remedies, mm-hmm. and it's more like an energetic remedy. Yes. And you guys have tons and tons of training, the classical yes. homeopath, homeopath yes. Uh, versus the naturopath, which is dealing with larger plant medicines and all kinds of... And nutrition, lar- and they can do counseling. They do more counseling. And they do like blood work too, right? They can. I think they can. Not in Massachusetts. Yeah. I know that. Okay. But yeah. So they have have a whole different tool set correct right and and i have a naturopath so when i get sick the first thing i think of course is homeopathy and if if homeopathy isn't really working or i think i need more naturopathy i'll go there i have a naturopath i do have a homeopath too if i need um i have a naturopath and then depending on what the ailment is i will go to acupuncture massage chiropractic um cranial sacral work i have had reiki i do like that um so i mean just and, and so I kind of figure it out. And my last step would be to go to a medical doctor. And the only reason is, is because I know what their toolbox is. Their mm-hmm. toolbox is testing, surgery, and pharmaceuticals. And if I think I need any of those, I'm going to go there. Yep. But if I, if I don't need any of those, then I'm going to try so many other things first. And I would say nine out of 10 times, it's, I don't ever have to go that far. That's awesome. Into my toolbox. Yeah. Yeah. That's but, like the deep down where it's kind of a little, <laughs> little dirty on the bottom. No, like. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not like that. I always tell people this is an example. It's like if I'm in a car accident, I want the tests. I want the surgery if my leg is broken. And I probably want some painkillers in the beginning. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a, there's value for sure. So I never want to forsake medical doctors at all. But everyone has their place and everyone has their toolbox. Mm-hmm. And so it just depends on what toolbox you need at, at whatever time and whatever the symptoms are. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So how did how did you initially get into this work? Mm, I mean, because you as a speed reader, this seems (laughs) so different. This is like such a 180 from doing that kind of, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. consuming that kind of information versus uh, getting into this. Mm -hmm. So, so how did how did you stumble into this work? So, what's interesting is when I teach speed reading, I really want people to be the best readers that they can be. Mm -hmm. And when I ended up doing homeopathy, I'm saying, so what's the connection? It's there's there is a connection. I want people to be the best in the best health that they can be. Mm. I, I, my tagline, um, let's see, it's, I want people to read smarter, faster, and just plain better. Mm. And same with how they feel. I want them to feel 
you know, smarter, faster, and just playing better. I want them to feel better, faster. I want them to be smart about it, and I, I want them just to be better. Yeah. So there really Same is this weird applies. connection, you know. I just want people to be the best of themselves. Mm. But when my son, my firstborn, was nine months old, he had ear infections, and um, ear infections get antibiotics, and he had antibiotics. And after the antibiotics were finished, about a week later, the infection would come back. Apparently, that's what I was told. And he had probably had about six or seven doses of antibiotics over six or seven month time frame. Well, that's a lot of antibiotics. It's a lot of antibiotics when the doctor finally said, do I really think we need to do tubes? Now, I knew nothing about homeopathy back then, okay, just so you know. And I said, I want my son to have tubes. If I can find another way, let me see. And the irony is my mother, who got into natural health late in life, said, have you know have you brought him to a homeopath yet? And I said, a, a what? <laughs> a, a homeo what? I never heard of that before. Yeah. And this was before the internet, so I looked on in yellow pages and found one about an hour away from me and went brought my son an hour and a half interview you know there's not much a 16 17 month old can do but we watched him and asked lots of questions of me that the doctor did and it ended up that he gave him two pellets of a remedy and the ear infection went away Mm -hmm. and never came back Two pellets. Two pellets. What, so what's a what's a pellet? A pellet is a, is what the remedy is is the little sugar pills. And so it's so just a tiny little tiny pellet. little tiny like a, a little um, poppy seed almost. Wow, the size of a poppy seed. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So he took two of those. He took two of those. One time. One time. Gone. 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 And it was like one of those head scratching moments. Like, huh? How could that be? I was thrilled, of course. Do you remember what the remedy was? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> now I know. Yeah, I now do. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do you want me to tell you? Sure. Well, just for anyone listening, it doesn't mean that every child that has ear infections gets this. Okay. It has to be the picture of it. And the basic picture for this remedy is that the child is very clingy. They say they want something, but then when you give it to them, they won't take it. Hmm. They're, they're angry. I've met some people like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's something that a lot of people drink. It's from chamomile. It's called mm. chamomilla. Oh. And so if you ever ever know of anybody who says, I want my child to calm down, so I give them chamomile tea every night, it doesn't work when you give too much of it. It will aggravate. So chamomile should not be given like regularly. You could only when you feel you need it to calm down. And so with my son, it, chamomile is a very common infant remedy for ear infections oh that's so interesting it is isn't it that's what got me i like i am so not a science person but this whole thing of like could it be this simple and i was like i'm gonna find out about this and so it took a little while i you know i had another child at that point and it was like how do i do this and i have my own profession you know i started doing speed reading i was doing time management workshops and traveling and i'm like how am i gonna do this and then I did start school here Here in uh, Amherst is the New England School of Homeopathy with uh, Paul Herskew and Amy Rothenberg. In Amherst? In Amherst. No kidding. No kidding. It's uh, every other month for a weekend. Okay. I said, I could do that. My husband was on board with that. And so I was with them for their initial two-year program, and then we got them to do clinic years. So I probably did about six clinic years where wow. we'd bring in live cases and work cool. on them together. Yeah, it was really cool, really, really cool. And they still do it, so anybody who wants to go to homeopathic school. It's right in Amherst. It's right in Amherst. That's so neat. look it up, NESH, New England School of Homeopathy. Super neat. Yeah. So um, so did you, as your children got older and older, did you continue using homeopathic remedies as their totally. first line of defense? Totally. Once I learned, once I learned, it took a while for me to feel comfortable. But I started homeopathic school in 2003. And so from 96, 7, when my 
second son was born to 2003, I was dabbling here and there. But it wasn't until 2003 that I started in earnest. It takes a while. This is not an easy profession at all. Why did it take you a while to feel comfortable treating your own kids with homeopathic remedies? At the time, there really wasn't any kind of a resource that I had. I mean, certainly the National Center for Homeopathy was around, and that's where I started getting my education. Mm -hmm. Um, But there really wasn't like a study group, which I run. I actually run a study group now for teaching people how to use a kit at home. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I want people to be saying, look, you can do this at home. You don't need to be going for the antibiotics all the time. You don't need to go for the drugs. You don't need this and that. There are things you can do to help support the body's healing. Mm. But nobody, there were books, but there really wasn't, I didn't have a community of people so that you're going to find in this country there's there's this little underground of moms Mm. that are treating their children with homeopathic remedies because they don't want to take their their kids to the doctor all the time to get all the chemicals and and it's amazing they come out of the woodwork sometimes they're like oh yeah i've been treating my kids for 20 years like oh yeah who have you seen nobody i've been doing it myself i'm like you go girl (laughs) (laughs) they're all over and we're trying to get them out of the woodwork because we we need the power of the mom homeopaths and and all the other people that have been doing it you know in their own homes it's great when you say that you're trying to get them out of the woodwork, does that mean that they're just that they talk about it publicly? Yes, like yes. on Facebook or yes. whatever on social media, Correct. or just get them to create the dialogue? Yes, I mean, don't be ashamed of it. Be proud that you're doing it, and if, especially when it works, uh, to be sharing that with your friends. And uh, there's some some online study groups right now that are fantastic, so moms can post their their issues and people will chime in. And so there's so much so much more support out there than there ever was when I was starting out. That's really cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I love, I think it's just like the coolest thing ever when you can help somebody feel better in a very short period of time with these little sugar pills, you know, and they're not just sugar pills. There's, they're powerful medicine, but I call them sugar pills because they taste like sugar pills. Yeah. And kids will, will take them no problem. Because it's just a little bit of sugar. It's a little bit of sugar. That's <laughs> what Mary Poppins said, right? <laughs> <I know>. Right. <laughs> just a spoonful of sugar. Yeah, but they didn't have any coating on it. <laughs> of what the energy medicine was. Yep. So that's yeah. really really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so uh, let's um, let me let me just uh, shift gears here. Um, so how did you get involved in, I know that when you kind of um, set up the film festival um, a while back, how did you connect with um, the the local communities around here with, can you kind of tell us a little bit about what the homeopathic communities are here? Because I know you mentioned that you have a study group and mm-hmm. um, that film festival, I feel like was a lightning rod for really letting people know what was going on um, mm-hmm. within internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about uh what's happening locally with the homeopathic world out here? Um, From what I can tell, I mean, so the film festival was intended to be a lightning rod in a way was to just say, hey, people, homeopathy exists. And here's some really good, you know, films for you to take a look at. Don't take my word for it, but Mm -hmm. take a look. And so um, Heather Welch Smith, who is another homeopath in the area, she's up in Greenfield, and I did it together because we just said, you know, we could bring this into the area and it would be really lovely to let people know a that it exists and b that we're here too yeah if that if people would like to to get treated so that was the impetus originally behind it there are in this area um i've joined a professional study group there's about four or five homeopaths in the area and it's really been nice because i would not have found them otherwise um i would say like nationwide there's only 
I'm going to say maybe 1,500 homeopaths that do the kind of work that I do. In the entire United States? In the entire United States. And so in Massachusetts, I'm going to say there's about 30 to 40. um, And that's only because of the health freedom law issue right now that's going on is that I've been seeking them out and putting them on a mailing list and sharing it with the health freedom folks to say, hey, these people would be affected if uh, a law came in place that said, you know, that you you can't practice anymore. So um, I think there's like 30 to 40 of us in the area, like between Boston and you know, Western Mass. Yeah, I know that mm-hmm. I always get a lot of information from different Reiki folks, too, when people come in. Can you just give mm-hmm. us a quick background of what the health freedom law is all about? Um, for basically, the health freedom law, if it does go into place, which Rhode Island already has, mm-hmm. it basically would allow anyone that does any kind of alternative complementary type of work would be able to practice provided that they give um, a disclaimer to all of their clients that just says who they are, what they do, what their training is, what they don't do, that they should see their medical doctors, that kind of thing. Um, And as long as they divulge their training to them, like, oh, I'm a homeopath, but I only, you know, I went to school for three weekends, you know, versus somebody like me that's been, you know, consistent and have become nationally certified. So the health freedom law is, is really, it's a protection on people who do any kind of energy work that allows them to practice without the threat of being accused of practicing medicine without a license. Right. So that's right. pretty much what it is. And it's it, right now, if anybody who's listening to this has interest in working on that or lobbying for that, the head of Spirit of Change magazine is the one who is doing it. So you can connect. I forgot what her name. Carol Bedrosian. That's yes. her name. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, I remember it. Uh, Carol Bedrosian of Spirit of Change. You can connect with her and she would love to add you to the roles of people who are interested in lobbying. Yeah. And that's yeah. that reaches across many, many different fields of alternative yes. health. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a very, um, it's serious. You know, if you like enjoying alternative health in Massachusetts, mm-hmm. it's really important to support this and to make sure that you're kind of like tuned in to what's going on around that because we're fighting mm-hmm. and making sure that our, you know, I mean, some of the stuff that they require, when, uh, these laws pop up around Reiki sometimes and it's yeah. like so restrictive. It would just put everyone out of business. Yes, right. It'd exactly. just be like, oh, okay, we're going to mm-hmm. go back and just like practice in our living rooms or something yeah. like you mm-hmm. know so yeah it's really crazy it's, um but yeah. i'm hoping that they're successful i mean the the spirit of change magazine and everything that's in that magazine would go away because if there was a law that went against it so there has to be health freedom in massachusetts yeah yeah absolutely yeah. i think it's gonna i think it's gonna be okay good me um, too abby go ahead and just tell us uh what your how people can find more information about what you do and your practice and stuff like that. Sure. Thank you for asking. Um, so I have a website called homeopathy healings with an S. So it's H O M E O P A T H Y healings with an S, um, dot com has some information on there just in general about homeopathy, how to reach me, how to schedule. Um, and there's a contact form there. I also recommend that people go to the national center for homeopathy, which is where I'm on the board. I just got off a two year stint as president. I'm now past president and it's a fantastic national organization. We have really built up our education. We're in the process of doing even more, but there's free webinars on there. We encourage people to become a member to support the organization because we do a lot on getting consumers um, educated about homeopathy. We also run a conference every year for homeopaths, and we're starting to include more of beginners. We're doing a beginner day, November 16th in New Jersey. Fun. Yeah, and how to use a homeopathic kit at home, a full day event. And um, so 
they can go to homeopathycenter.org. And so anyone who's listening this has a friend like in California and you want to know where there's homeopaths, there's a find a practitioner link there. You put in the city and the state. There's not that many homeopaths in the country. Like I said, about 1,500. But um, you might be able to find someone near-ish, near-ish by that you'd be able to, to get treated by. So Awesome. Yeah, so either homeopathyhealings.com or homeopathycenter.org. Or if you type in Abby Beal. Or, uh, although Abby Beal is, is, I think, a professional skater or something oh, like that. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I she know. She sounds cool. <laughs> so put Abby Beal homeopath and then it'll come up. It'll come up. <laughs> yes, All right, exactly. good to know. So homeopathichealings.com. Right. Um, and so you've mentioned these homeopathic kits a couple mm-hmm. of times. Yeah. What are homeopathic kits? So a kit contains anywhere from 30 to 50 to 100 different remedies. And they're usually in the same potency. So you can get a 30C kit. And usually I tell people get a, get, a, get a 50 remedy kit in a 30C potency. Okay. And you have it at home and it's going to help you like, in, you know, on that Saturday night on a holiday weekend when your kid has this, you know, nasty vomit bug Mm-mm. and you're going, oh, you know, you, you have a kit. You don't have to call me or, and not that I'm going to pick up on a Saturday night. Sorry. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, that's, that's not really what my job is, but that you can look in a book, you can try a remedy. If the remedy doesn't work, you try another one. And so it's really nice to have it just just, you know, you get a burn. You don't want to stop what you're doing to go to the store. If you have it in your kit, you just take it and it's, and you're done. You know, like nobody, when they have a headache, if they don't want to go to the store to get ibuprofen, they, they have a bottle of ibuprofen at home. So it's the same thing. You have a kit. It's your medicine cabinet. Right. And so a 50 remedy kit is about maybe $130, $140. It's not a lot. And, the, and there's a lot of doses in, in there. And so it's really worth having it, you know, at home. And if you think about the money that we spend on cold medicine and oh, flu, yeah. it's, mm. you know, I mean, I feel like it's an investment. Do they yeah. last for a long time? Are they shelf stable? They really do last a long time. There is a expiration date. There is an expiration date on it. But between you and me, <laughs> uh, there really is no expiration date. As long as they are not in a humid environment, the humidity will take the remedy, the remedy substance off of the pellet. Mm. But in a cool, dry place. You keep them there. You can. I have some that say expiration 1998, 2000, and I still use them, and they're fine. They and work. They still find yeah. them effective. They're very effective. Yeah. So as long as you keep them dry, you're good. Cool, dry place. Not a refrigerator, though. Not don't <laughs> not a refrigerator, but just a cool, dry place. Okay. Correct. <laughs> and they last so long. They they really do. You don't need a lot of them. It's not like you're going to take it for, you know, months on end. Typically not. It's you know a couple of times just to get over an acute situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you mentioned that there's kind of a difference between dealing with an acute situation, which would be like a burn or mm-hmm. something that kind of just happened very suddenly, a stomach flu, something like that. Yeah. versus more of a chronic condition, which is what you deal with. That's really more what I deal with. I mean, I deal with both, but I, I spend my time constitutionally prescribing for chronic conditions. So a constitutional um, that somebody would get is is the remedy, ideally, that is for all of who they are, not just the thing or two that they come to me with. Mm. So it's not like you come with migraines, you get the migraine constitutional. It's No, there's many many different constitutionals that include migraines, but it has to be what kind of migraine? Like, where is it in your head? When does it come on? What does it make you do? I know somebody, when they get a migraine, they go for a run. Mm. And other people would go, how could they do that? I need to be in a dark room and a cold compress on my head. And those are two very different constitutional types. And so that's my job is to take all those pieces of what they do and how it affects their body and and put it together to find the good remedy for them. Mm. 
Would somebody be taking if you're um, would somebody be taking multiple remedies, mm, or is it just kind of one at a time? <laughs> We've been taught how to do one at a time. Okay. So that said, if you go into a health food store, you will see there's some combination remedies. So there's one like called cold, cold calm, sinusalia. Those are, I mean, those are there. Those are those are good for the public to start with. So if you have a cold or a sinus infection and you say I want to try to treat treat this homeopathically and you get this combination remedy and it works, you look at the back of it and there's like six to eight different remedies in there. It means that there was one that resonated with you. But which one? We don't know. And so what I do is I try to find the one that is going to be the one that works based on your symptomatology. But most people wouldn't know that and it's really safe to take a combination remedy. It's not a problem. So if that works for you, that's great. But if you want more than a constitutional remedy is is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so... I guess, well, when you say constitutional remedy, you mean like that's the person's body type? It's not or what is that? What is a constitutional remedy? What does that mean? It has to do with their mental, emotional, and physical symptoms and tendencies and history. You know, some people are very um, weepy and clingy and they can't be away from people very long. They need people's company. They're not really thirsty um, and, and they get these like conjunctivitises. They get yellow stuff in their eyes. And, and so that, that would indicate a remedy called pulsatilla versus somebody that's pretty driven, loves coffee and alcohol and is chilly and um, kind of has irritability. These are people that are, are typically more of on the spectrum of something called nux vomica and so it just so i know i'm talking foreign language here it's to people okay. but but it just basically it sounds like wizard language <laughs> but it, it's like wizarding in a way because you have to take everything of what a person is what they portray what their body says i think the body speaks the mind sometimes and mm. it just like lets out stuff and and we have to figure out like what's this all about and how is it all going to get put together so a constitution it, you know, there are body types, you know, a phosphorus is a thinner person versus a calcarea is a, is a heavier person, but we don't just go on that. There's so many other things that go along with it. So you're really so, like zooming out and being like, Where yeah. do, how does this person, all of it. Right. And we're constantly doing the process of elimination. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh yeah, they have this, this and this, but uh, no, they don't have that. So now we can't use that remedy. Let me find the next one that's going to have this, this and this and this. And so, um, hence the two-hour intake, exactly, at and beginning then, <laughs> to really get to right. know people on a deeper level. Exactly, right. It's fun. It's like putting puzzles together. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. And you know, on your blog, uh, you mentioned, um, and if you're just tuning in, we're chatting with Abby Beal of HomeopathHealings.com. Homeopathy. 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 Homeopathy Healings. Healings. Com. Thank you. <laughs> and, um, and you also have a private practice in downtown Northampton. Um, and on your blog, you write, if you don't find time for self-care now, you'll have to t- find time for illness later. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's also a part of homeopathy is that you could come to us, let's say, to a homeopath, and let's say you get bronchitises. But if you're still smoking cigarettes, the remedy's not going to help you in the long term because ideally we want we want to help your body stop the tendency for getting bronchitis. But if you're insulting the body with something, it could be from smoking, from alcohol, from um, from too much caffeine, from a negative re- self talk, negative self talk, bad relationships, you know, um, not being able to express yourself because you've. you've just feel like you can't. I mean, there's so many things. We call them maintaining causes. 
And a lot of times if people can just know what they need and to take care of themselves. And so that's in the blog post that I wrote, I talk about how I used to have tons and tons of upper respiratory infections, colds, colds, colds. And my immune system was really bad. And I realized as I got into my middle 20s to late 20s, you know, that there are certain things that I can do that would help me feel stronger. And so I started to do more exercise. And then I, you know, in my 40s, I got into yoga. And then I started to get into meditation just a couple of years ago, you know, and then swimming, I do swimming, you know, Mm. and so it's like, I'm trying to find these things that just exercise my body as well as my mind and also trying to, I I used to drink Diet Pepsi all the time and then I got really sick from drinking it. Mm. It's horrible and um, thankfully for remedies, it got me out of that really bad time. It took a few months actually, Mm. but I don't do that anymore. I, I stay away from artificial sweeteners and so it's about trying to say what is it that the body wants, needs and reacts well to and be attracted to that stuff. But just don't expect to do nothing you know, go to to a practitioner, they give you something and you think it's going to be fixed. Everyone has to participate in their own self-care. Um, I do a, a retreat every year, a women's retreat at Kripalu out, oh, out in Western Mass. Cool. It's basically just an excuse to get women to go. I don't do anything except say, come on, everybody, you want to come? I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And we get together one night of the three nights we're there. So everyone knows who else is there for that reason. Yeah. And then people do whatever they want. And it's just self-care. It's weekend. all self-care. It's, you know, if you want to go do yoga, if you want to sleep in, if you want to go to one of their classes, you want to go take a walk. Their food is phenomenal. It's mm. healthy. You know, the air is wonderful. You're around like-minded people. And so mm. to me, that's just, that's a lot of self-care too. Oh, I love that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. What weekend are you going? <laughs> Can I tell you? Sure, yeah. Uh, January 5th to 8th, we're oh, going. Oh, a little winter, winter Little winter, retreat. yeah. It's, it's less expensive. You get two nights, get one free. And it's right after the new year. It's right after the new year. It's after the holidays. It's kind of a good time to stop, regroup. I do a lot of goal setting there at that time, beginning of every year. This is my fourth year doing it. Lovely. So, yeah. That sounds great. Anyone can join who's listening. Well, <laughs> you just got to let me know if you're planning to come. Okay. Just because I, I want to know who to invite to the first night. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, we're just coming towards the end of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't know. believe it. Went I by know. So I know. It's, been, it's only been like five seconds. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Feels that way. Feels that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but do you... Uh, do you have any kind of words of wisdom for the universe or anything that you want to throw out there that you feel like is important information that people might want to know? Hmm. Hmm. I think I've given some, and I think I'll just reiterate just about knowing what is it that you need for yourself and to trust your own body's wisdom. When someone's saying you really need to take this or you really need to do this and you're thinking, uh, uh-uh, no, and like, don't do it. Don't do it. It's like, <laughs> listen to your own intuition. Listen to what your body says. Do your own research. Um, be your own guide. It's your life. And, you know, even though there are well-meaning people in it, you know, you have to make your own decisions. And so that would probably be the best advice I could give. Mm. Mm. I think that's pretty solid advice. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so uh, give your mm. website um, another shout so in case people wanted to do their own research and find out more information about uh, what it is that you offer. Sure. It's Homeopathy Healings, H-O-M-E-O-P-A-T-H-Y-H-E-A-L-I-N-G-S, Homeopathy Healings, at, uh, dot com. You can email me at homeopathyhealings at gmail.com. Fabulous. As well. And the clinic, you can uh, make appointments through the clinic Alternative Medicines in Northampton. All right. 
Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Well, um, like I said, thank you so much, Abby, thank for you. coming on the show today. And if anyone is curious about um, listening to this show or any other show that um, any other previous guests that I've had, you can always go back to www.reikinorthampton.com backslash radio dash archives and um, and catch up on all your, your favorite guests and more information about Abby Beal from today. So um, thank you so much, Abby. Thank and you. uh and be well everyone